Imperial battleship, halt the flow of time. I cannot swim, you Spanish peacock. I'm not Spanish, I'm Egyptian. You five-star double-rated astronavigatrix. Uh, 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 what? Space herpy. Give me the remote control. Good heavens, General, that sounds like a woman. Impossible! Welcome, listener, to Star Crashed. We discuss genre movies released before the year 2000. In this episode, we'll discuss The Ferryman Maria from the year of 1936. It's a German movie directed by Frank Weisbar, or Wiesbar, pronunciation uh, to be continued. My name is Ebba. <laughs> and my name is Linnea. So this was your choice uh, for us to watch yes. this. Uh, yes, it is certainly of more of a Linnea <laughs> movie than an Ebba movie. But, you know, uh, run us down, like, why did you choose this movie? Like, did you stumble across it and what made you interested in it? So, yeah. Um, I had seen this once before, um, but I had only vague memories of it. So I was really wanting to rewatch it because I had... Mostly good memories mm. of it, what little like I could remember. Can um, I, I ask you just like how long ago do you think that it was just you saw it the first time? Seven, eight years oh, yeah. ago, okay. maybe. So yeah. fair chunk, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it it has been, it used to be a movie that was really hard to track down <laughs> in any format. <laughs> um, like the first time I watched it, I I'm not gonna say how I. Got it, but it begins Lime with Lime wire. <laughs> yeah, I actually think it might have been Lime wire. Uh, <laughs> uh, but now I actually think it might have had a wider DVD release. I'm, I'm a little bit unsure on that, but it has mm. also been made available on YouTube, which was the reason why uh, I sort of suggested it for the podcast. I found it there and I was like, oh yes, that movie, I want to see it. And then I thought, well, let's show it to Ebba too. So, <laughs> <laughs> the so we can the watch merrier. it together. <laughs> yeah, and it is in, it's, it's, it's an okay quality also, I'd say. Um, and also, like we, I said, it's a German movie, but the subtitles are in English. So it's uh, perfectly watchable for a lot of, uh, like, you know, yeah. Non-Europeans. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> depending on 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 your language level here, you can see this movie in as long as you can speak English. I I think I think. Oh my God, I can't talk today. What a ride we're in for, Linnea. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So, um, I mean, the plot is. Uh, I mean, sorry. If, is there anything else you want to add to, to like why you wanted to see it one more time, or did you feel like uh, you were done there? Yeah. No, yeah. no, except to say that it's a German film and it's a little bit expressionist, so that kind of explains why I like it. <laughs> so, um, for myself and maybe also for the for the listeners who might just be as well versed in in uh, movie lingo as you are here expressionist could you in a shallow way here explain what that is um, i can imagine it's com more complicated than but you know yeah and I, it, it's it's a kind of how should i say it kind of art style slash cinematic language was very common in early 
European cinema and specifically early German cinema. Mm. So, um, like Metropolis and even um, uh, Destiny that we have mm-hmm. seen, the silent film, um, sort of was in that vein, in that tradition uh, of, 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 of a style. Um, and this one, Fairman Maria, I think IMDb says that it is like the last expressionist film made in oh, Germany okay. before the World War Two or something. Uh, so it's like it's like an end of an era kind of um, uh, film, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's hard to explain what expressionists mean without showing images. <laughs> but like the image you get in your head when you think about like Metropolis or something, mm. it's it's kind of that. Mm. It's you know it's. A, cer- a certain way of, of filming like buildings and shadows and light and and it's it's very artsy would uh, would a dream like be a word that you could use to explain expressionism or yes yes sure yeah absolutely yeah yeah so it, would there be any like modern equivalents that you would that would come to mind um sort of to help maybe the listener and myself along with um sort of painting a picture here of, of um what it's about. I'm not sure I'm enough well-versed in modern lingo to really say that. Um, I'm sure there are, and I'm sure, you know, there's there's probably some kind of movie, modern movie tradition that sort of builds upon Mm. this. Um, I mean, it's... uh, it has never really gone away completely from film, even though it's had its sort of periods when it were more popular than, than at other times. Um, I think I might understand a bit of what you're getting at, um, but it's really interesting. And I just wish that I had also a better vocabulary and, and a toolbox for understand, understanding a movie in this way. Um, so, you know, maybe that's something I'll have as a... Um, New Year's resolution for next year <laughs> because this year I am I am destined to read Dune. I still haven't come around that, but I did bring, like buy the book, so at least I've done so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But expanding um, my movie understanding toolbox could can be next year's resolution. But anyway, so is is so Frank Vispar because his career is a little bit longer than this movie is. Like his he he did have like a couple of years after 1936. 1936 that he made movies so have you seen any of his other movies after that or do we know anything about Frank that might be interesting to sort of have as a contextual fact before we go on about the movie I haven't seen any other films by him um, but I do think it's worth noting that he actually remade Ferryman Maria at one point Oh, Um, yeah I think he moved uh, to the America at some point, probably because of like World War Two and all that. Mm. Couldn't really stay in Germany, mm. as 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 happened so to many, many film yes. directors at the time. Um, so when he came to Hollywood, he actually remade uh, Ferman Maria to uh, an, a film called Strangler in the Swamp uh, in 1946, hmm. I believe. I haven't seen that one, and that one looks like it's also really hard to track down because I oh. tried finding like <laughs> clips and trailers on YouTube and I found nothing. Um, so I 
really don't know much about it, uh, except that it is in English instead of German and has American actors, pretty much. <laughs> oh, but that is interesting. You know, we should put that on the list as a movie for the future eventually. Yes, I really want to see it. If <laughs> yeah, it if that ever available. shows up, I think we should... Um, <laughs> should uh, definitely check it out um, that, because that's su- super interesting. And I feel like if it's done, uh, did you say like 10 years or so after or like, when, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, two, diff- two completely different worlds almost. And I'm talking like, you know, so much has gone uh, gone on in those 10 years. Yeah, so, yeah. but just the, <laughs> and, and also America, has it been Americanized and how does a German, um, you know, director take on something yeah, like that. Yeah, that, that's a funny it, thing yeah. because I try, I tried re- when I couldn't find any clips for, of the remake. Yeah. I tried reading about it, and I read some reviews of it. And some people said that, oh well, you know, this is just like a Hollywood schlock film about monsters. And then someone else said that, oh, this is actually more expressionist than the original <laughs> was. And I'm just like, what confusion <laughs> abound? Yes. What? Shall a poor little audience person think when they read that? Okay, wow, interesting. So definitely we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, But, you know, listener might ask, well, what the fudge is Fairy Memoria even about? Why make it twice? Well, you know, I'm skipping ahead here, but I do think that there is remake value in this. And we'll get a bit to that. So to me, it isn't super surprising, actually, that he remade it. I can definitely see how you can remake it uh, in a couple of ways. Because at its core, it's a fairly simple story. Um, It's about a, well, at first we're met with a ferryman and a ferryman who sort of tows a boat along from one pier to another pier, uh, almost between two Almost, almost between two countries. Like it's a very important bridge, but not a whole lot of people use it. But it's very necessary, uh, and uh, it's probably a vast lake or or um, a river or something that is passing by. Uh, a lot of these things are very hidden in, in sort of. Um, we don't we don't know where it takes place. This isn't oh this is placed in Germany. There's nothing like that. We don't know even when it's set. And I definitely want to ask you what your interpretation <laughs> of what time this is supposed to be, because to me that was a bit confusing in a a good way I'd say. But anyway, so uh, this ferryman one day takes on a passenger who is very clearly death. Uh, super clearly. I have no idea why he let him on the his boat uh, to begin with, <laughs> but he did. <laughs> and the ferryman dies. So there's, of course, a position open for someone else to take off, take up the job as, um, as a ferryman. And a young woman, or young, not young, you know, this is low quality YouTube video here we're talking about. <laughs> she could be anything from 20 to 48. Um, but it, anyways, <laughs> a woman uh, who is not from the village that is... Um, that is asking for the, or who has the job position. Uh, she doesn't come from the village and she doesn't have a home. So she takes the job and with that it comes a cottage and she takes on her um, uh, role immediately. And quite soon her first passenger actually is, um, well, I believe it was the first one, is a wounded soldier. And he is running from a pack of men on horses who are looking in my eyes, quite similar to death. 
And anyway, so he she sort of nurses him back to health, and in the meantime, she falls in love with him, and he falls in love with her also. And uh, then one day, another passenger is coming along and wants to cross the river slash. Uh, uh, lake and Maria takes him along and this passenger is death again and Maria knows that something is off with him people in general sort of have a instant reaction whenever death is around or he looks at you something instinctual almost and he asking he's asking a lot of questions about like did you pick up a wounded soldier and where is this wounded soldier and Maria says no I have no idea uh, but as they come off uh, come on shore she says well you know what um, he went that way because the because death is almost going to her house her hut in which lies the soldier so the um, the ferryman Maria and death sort of end up on a a village summer dance festival thing uh, <laughs> and yes, yes. <laughs> and the whole village is there and everybody's dancing and there's live music and beer and everyone is having a good time and they end up in a situation where they are both dancing for a short while and after that um, they sort of she goes away and she says, oh, please, God, let me um, let me save the soldier because I love him and I do not wish him to be taken away. And death says, you cannot fool me. Prayers will not help. And she's um, Maria is, is um, being chastened by um, by death. And uh, eventually death ends up at the cottage and he finds the soldier and he finds the soldier and I believe this was the way please stop me if I'm if I'm going um, in the wrong direction here I think this was the way events turned out but mm -hmm. uh, Maria then lures uh, death into a swamp situation I guess this is where we get the strangler in the swamp thing <laughs> in the remake I don't know and and she makes him you know she's praying the whole time and she's desperately like please I will give my life for for the soldier and death says no it's no good so Maria sort of turns to God and she's praying and please 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 and uh, you know she, her maybe knowing the terrain I guess or maybe God's intervention makes death uh, step in the wrong uh, part of the swamp and he <laughs> uh, sinks to his own death ironically but no one's laughing in the movie but it is a bit ironic and Maria has sort of tricked death uh, she succeeded where the knight in uh, in uh, Ingmar Bergman's movie failed <laughs> let's say <laughs> and <laughs> and she goes back to the soldier and he's like wow you're awesome let's cross the ferry tomorrow together it's to a new life and the new kingdom um because here men is all over you and they're being weird and pervy. Let's get out of it. He didn't say that. I am I'm adding <laughs> this to <laughs> so you understand why Maria wants to leave this place. And also because with him she has a home with this which is also a sort of side thing that is a conversation that they're that they're having. So they sort of live happily ever after is the uh, yeah. 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 Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. 
Or it could be interpreted that they're dead. It really depends on the mood. In my mind, they live heavily, ha- 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 happily ever after because she fooled death. Yeah. Yeah. But it could also, I mean, the scene in the end when they have crossed the river and they're walking out into a field of flowers. You know, it kind of reminded me a little bit about the end of Ghost and Mrs. Muir when they sort of walked into the mist together exactly. and, you know, into the yes. afterlife. Um, and this whole, you know, thing about the ferrymen ferrying people across rivers, you know, there's a whole mythology about that. So, yes. uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. But- they could have crossed the river in a different way. Yeah, because also, like, there isn't, like, there isn't a lot of traffic on this ferry as well, Mm. which kind of makes it, I mean, I was almost thinking that because she was a ferryman, I was really expecting her to become death, almost. Like, as Mm. he was Mm. thinking, I was almost expecting her to become death and sort of towing people or ferrying or whatever um, between, um, you know, her hut that side of the kingdom let's say and the other Mm. side that is death because i was just thinking like the soldiers on their horses um that to me rather looked like death and they were also wreaking havoc on on that kingdom like the soldier explained it just felt like there was a bit of symbolism in the whole fairy thing that Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah so maybe it's supposed to be subtle and maybe that's a good thing about about the ending in this thing but um yeah um where to begin like what do you want to unwrap first (laughs) (laughs) um well let's let's start with unwrapping (laughs) what you sort of touched upon when and where does this take place? yes oh yes thank you for picking (laughs) that up Um, my answer to that would be it takes place in fairy tale land in the time of fairy tales. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Thank you. That makes so much sense. <laughs> but honestly, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of timeless because, you know, with the clothing and everything, just to paint a picture here, but the clothing they wear is sort of for like 30s. I mean, it can't be 40s, but, you know, thir- late 30s uh, dresses and they, they, the men are wearing like three-piece uh, suits and things like that. Quite modern clothing. Um, but the hair, I mean, I guess like a braid, like a milk braid hairdo was kind of the rage in Germany back then. But I still feel like sort of that hair could be any anywhere, anytime. Uh, but horses, you know? Sol- mm. soldiers on horses isn't yeah. it i mean <laughs> i was like is it medieval time or is that actually like a disease symbolic for disease i couldn't quite wrap my head around it but you know horses yeah horses i don't know what to say really. <laughs> fairy tale uh time in a fairy tale land let's go with that I, I feel so happy thinking that it's just that. <laughs> Don't make it more complicated. <laughs> yeah, but when you think about it and when you, you, you're trying to boil down the story into like <laughs> bite-sized chunks, it is structured like a fairy tale. For sure, you know? yeah. And, and this guy, this hero, he's never named. No. He's just 
Soldier. The, the soldier. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think on IMDb he's like credited as, as just man. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that, oh, that's, that, awesome. that's his character. <laughs> but you know, it's just soldier is chased by death or other soldiers and he comes to this lady yeah. uh, and and she rescues him and then they vanquish, vanquish death and they fall in love and they live happily ever after you know it's a fairy tale it's it's a fairy yeah, tale definitely definitely <laughs> and sometimes it's good to sort of remove things that make you sort of fill in things like if this was definitely set in germany you'd fill in certain things mm. into the blanks. Yes. So maybe it's yes. good keeping this because it, it feels a bit more um, timeless mm. this way. And that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, speaking about the soldiers and this being Germany and, and everything, um, there was one quite... Um, I'm searching for the right word here, but it was kind of horrifying in sort of... Mm, yeah, let's go with a sort of horrifying tense moment where um, the soldier is having like a fever dream because mm. he's in and out of fevers for a lot of it. But in one of his fever dreams, he's really like because he he keeps wanting to go back to the other side, the, the other side of the river to his kingdom because there's a war there and the soldiers are killing everything and blah, blah, blah. Um, but he is having a feverish nightmare where he's screaming like a lot and like the pale death and a lot of things and it just I was thinking like what to make of that like was was him you know like what what might it represent like what might he mean by that because it was kind of terrifying and Maria was kind of terrified and yet they go back to that place so that was a weird scene for me do you know which scene I'm talking about or did yes yeah yes Yes. Uh, you know, just thinking of like the time frame and everything. I was just thinking like, did the actor, well, the actor, did the director want something to say with that um, screaming monologue in his fever dream? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I kind of want to, I'm not, not going to, but I kind of would have liked to seen that scene again, maybe, and just remember what he actually said, because I can't remember quite what he said. But um, Well, it was like, he was almost like, chanting yes um like like a i don't know battle hymn almost yeah. or like a marching song except he was the, the lyrics were about death and how death was haunting him and you know his pale horse and everything yeah. and i i agree that there might be something culturally there that we are sort of missing that I we are sort of think so. blind to because yeah. i i i like the scene but I didn't fully understand it in the context of the whole film. Uh, exactly. I will admit that. It, it was. I feel that there is something more to understand there that I don't understand at this point. Yeah, I can. I kind of wish um, Wikipedia could fill me now. That to be honest. <laughs> yeah, because like you say, there is there is something that we might just not understand because of our modern context. Uh, that might be. But I'm happy to hear that you also felt like there was something else to that yeah. scene. And I just don't know what it wants. <laughs> um, I think I think just on the surface, it's sort of 
it's building it, it is sort of building his character a little bit because it's hinting at his nightmarish past as a soldier yeah. and this war that has apparently been going on in, in his country so as such I think it's a, a sort of neat scene uh, because yeah. you know Maria is horrified by this mm. of course and and uh, he's sort of at the, that point he's sort of almost maniacal in, in his intensity mm. over this chanting mm-hmm. so you know it, on the surface it's just a neat scene but then you, you're you're sort of feeling that oh there's more under the surface here that I'm sort of I can't quite pick it up I can't quite dig deep yeah, enough to find that exactly. uh, which is a shame yeah uh, is there any other scene that you felt stuck with you or um, you know anything like that or anything image wise that you were like oh that um, I don't know. I think mm, image-wise, I'm not sure, but but just like scene-wise, I suppose you can say is in the beginning before we meet Maria, we mm. have the first ferryman, and he's ferrying this customer across the river, and the customer gives him his tuppence, and mm-hmm. the ferryman says that this is the last tuppence I need. Oh, yes. Now I can buy this ferry, mm. and you know, so <laughs> sort sad. Of, yeah, be be my own boss at this point, essentially, because I own the ferry. Uh, but then, of course, death comes before he can do this. And it's so tragic. So tragic. And I love it. Yes. <laughs> because as he's, like, towing this goddamn death figure along, and he's just... it's. Ex- I mean, he's dying as he's towing him along. And you just know that, man, he was so close to having a lovely... Mm-hmm you know owning his own ferry and everything and here comes death and just says no bam heart attack you're out it's rough mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's rough, so rough actually yeah yeah but i feel like death in general was really in like portrayed in an interesting way because he isn't he isn't immortal or maybe maybe he's immortal but he is beatable he has he has a very tangible interactions with um, with reality with the world. Like people see him, they can talk to him. They they have this like I mentioned before, like the, their instinct. They react to him with a sort of shy away and feel like no, I don't want to go near that. And uh, and also like I said, he doesn't. He's not um impervious is that a word impervious Im- mm, uh, yeah yes. he's not impervious to to sort of taking damage in the swamp for example and so so he um he's terrifying and also mortal and i think that's interesting um so for example i also really enjoyed a scene where he and maria is dancing because they um when maria and death comes to the sort of village festival a man who was uh, rudely bothering her earlier in the day <laughs> man <laughs> he was not nice uh, he came to her and he says oh um oh i see you had a sweetheart why didn't you just say that all along blah 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 and then he says well Hello there, Mr. Man. <clears throat> That's death, that is. Uh, <laughs> why don't we play um, play, play um, dice for, for a chance to, to dance with Maria? Uh, she looks on and she's like, oh, whatever. 
so they play and uh, and the rude man gets I think a two or something and death of course gets a six <laughs> so he wins and then Maria and death die um, dances and it's just really creepy dancing scene I have to say because they are going in a much slower pace than all the other dancing couples and she is just looking seasick and and sick and just not well almost like it's a dance of death or something like that and mm-hmm. I felt like it was a bit unexpected so you know in general the portrayal of death and the scenes with him in it it's just kind of interesting uh, to me yeah yeah and I'm also now that you're reminding me of that scene I'm sort of because there is a long well I don't know exactly how long but it's there's a tradition in arts of all forms of art really of of this theme of portraying death and the maiden there's like mm. an actual thing death and the maiden mm. it's called that and this is kind of that you know it, it's like death paired with this beautiful lady yeah, yeah. And, and the sort of dynamic and mm. dichotomy that is created by mm. that um i didn't actually pick up on that when i was watching the film but now that you you're talking about it more it is sort of it is sort of that you know it's yeah death and the maiden. absolutely and also i feel like she's kind of She's kind of mimicking mim- mimicking his, his style, I want to say, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in the beginning, uh, when she arrives at the village, for a good chunk of it, she is wearing like a sim- simple cotton summer dress. It's kind of worn down, but it's a simple cotton dress. And then uh, as the village festival is getting closer, she puts on a more... Um, formal gown I'd almost call it uh, like with long sleeves and the, sh- the the neck is like right you know covering all of the neck um, and it's it's down to the ankles and I you know it's black and white but it does look black like it's a very dark dress and she puts her hair up in the milk braid whilst before she had it down so she kind of looks she looks like she could be ready to sort of take on the responsibility as death to be honest and <laughs> yeah. so that too that too made them feel sort of equal also in the scenes mm. where she is sort mm. of luring him luring him on the swamp or when even when she's being chased like she's not being chased like in a skimpy outfit hair down screaming and being all you know um <laughs> like it usually is in those situations <laughs> in movies like she's finding the situation rather hopeless but damn it, she will fight, and she is. She can match his outfit. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> and I think that conveys something, um, mm. and also uh, sort of cements the whole. Well, what's going to happen? Where will this potential? Well, there, there didn't a deal didn't really happen. But what will happen? What will be the outcome of their confrontation and their cat mm. and mouse game? And I think um, that way it was. Mm. Uh, details like that makes the difference <laughs> let's say absolutely yes <laughs> without going yes. on for too long about the outfit <laughs> which was a really good dress by the way uh, let me just oh yes <laughs> i will that will be the last of the dress here but it was a good dress <laughs> would wear that's it. <laughs> it it is a testament to your influence on me that i noticed the dress <laughs> and i thought it looked nice and i knew that you want to comment on it <laughs> thank you my job here is done <laughs> Two and a half years of podcasting. We can wrap it up now, okay? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a good dress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um the actors. Let's talk about them for a little while. I really enjoyed Maria. Don't remember the actress's name. Let's look it up. As uh, Sybil Schmitz. Yes. Thank you. I really enjoyed her as the main character. Mm. Um, she was so beautiful. So beautiful. She reminded oh. me so much of... Oh, I have to look this up. If you have, you know, f- fill in here while I do the googling. <laughs> oh, no, but I, I I just want to take a moment to like admire her. Like, oh, just her face, her face structure. Like when you saw her in profile, like her shin and her cheeks and her just... Mm, I'm I'm so envious of that Such facial structure. Face. Such a beautiful face. And I found who she reminded me of. Uh, but I have to say she's um, even more beautiful um, than um, Gemma Art... Oh, I'm going to absolutely massacre this. But Gemma Arterton. Arterton? Um, Google her. I think you'll recognize her. But she did the remind... name rings a bell. Yeah. Uh, what did she... What movies has she done? Um... Oh, the quality movie Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunter, of course, which we all remember. <laughs> uh, what the fuck is even that? Um, <laughs> I, I actually think I did see that one. Oh, no, it starred It starred the guy who plays um, Hawkman in the Avengers films. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. That is his face. <laughs> My God, he could. He actually looks like. He looks like the same character. He looks like Hawkeye on this cover. That's incredible. I see how he got um, how he got the role. But yeah, she kind of looks like her, and she was just a very good performance, I'd say, because there is a lot of silent scenes where you just see the face, mm. and it doesn't get boring when it's on her face. So I think that says a lot. No, and I, I honestly, I mean, I, I've never attempted acting, but. To my sort of untrained eyes, this does look like a kind of challenging role because yeah. Maria is so. She seems rather introverted, you know. She doesn't mm-hmm. emote a lot, mm. and I think that's kind of because you know she she probably doesn't have a really happy background, mm. and you know she comes here and as a drifter, you know, no home, no family or mm. whatever. So she's sort of. A very somber kind of character, um, but I think Sibyl Schmidt's really. <sighs> she managed to emote even when Maria is sort of not emoting, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, yeah, totally. she, she she always keeps this sort of really serious, somber facial expression, but then at the same time, there's sort of just minute things that you sort of notice. You know that oh now she's. You know, <laughs> now now she's looking a little yeah. bit more intensely here, or now she's you know a little bit more of that, and it, it yeah, it was really really good. Yeah, it, but it's the kind of performance where you're like, um, you feel like I get a sense of her, I get a sense of her character and what mm-hmm. she's feeling and everything, but I want to know more because of how she's performed. I would like to have Ferryman too, <laughs> more <laughs> Maria, you know, that sort of performance and I think that's just really 
really terrific considering like she didn't have like a hundred lines or a complete monologue or anything to like that to sort of convey all of that but she still manages to so yeah yeah i actually i honestly feel like most of her acting is when maria is silent yeah um, because maria has so few lines <laughs> that you know mo- most of her characterization is in, in silence and in in sort of close-ups of her face and, and how mm. she how she looks at the world sort of where her character is and it's nice definitely definitely um i mean she she does outshine the other ones in that <laughs> regard uh yes <laughs> and another thing that i sort of wanted to address and maybe ask you about is that um this movie is classified as horror on places like imdb and letterboxd and wikipedia too mm. i think um but it's not really the same kind of horror we think of today in modern horror cinema. Um, it's it's a different kind of horror, and I, I, maybe you want to delve into why 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 do you think that this is described as horror, Eba? Um, well, I think, I mean, I'm really speaking about things I might not know a lot about, <laughs> uh, but I do feel like. Uh, for example, the scene we talked about with the with the soldier where he's shouting, you know, bloody murder about his fever, fever nightmares. And also you have death almost stalking an entire village. And I mean, there was a rumor of death lur- lur- lurking around the corners and everything. So so we do feel like there is there is there is almost like a cloud laying on top of this entire movie like Mm. there's a cloud of of mystery and a feeling of you know like someone might stand on Mm. that uh shoreline waiting for you and that might be death so it is i do feel like there are horror elements in the movie Uh, also the scene with the dancing and and certain things like that and also the the whole swamp trick thing that Death and Maria did was also was very dark and very claustrophobic almost. And she felt very left to her own devices in that scene. So I feel like there are horror elements, horror scenes, but I would kind of more call it spooky, <laughs> mm-hmm. if that makes sense, uh, than plain horror. But I, I, I can see how it could be hard to categorize it as anything else. I, I don't know what I'd pick myself. Um, yeah, because it doesn't really fit into any other genre, yeah, to exactly. be honest. Yeah. Ex- except maybe like love story. Fairy tale. That's also, <laughs> yeah, that's also what it is. But it isn't the kind of, I don't know, horror movies today... Um, and I'm not talking about every single horror movie today, but a lot of them has a very concrete kind of horror, you know. Mm. Oh, you know, there's a guy with a chainsaw chasing me. And that's fine. I mean, I'm not saying that's a, <laughs> that one kind of horror is better than the other. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's a very <laughs> tactile kind of horror. This is mm, a guy that you mm, can touch yeah, and he yeah. has a chainsaw, you know. Mm. But the kind of horror that is in this film... It's a more, it's an abstract kind of horror. It's a, it's an existential horror. It's this dread, this this mm, fear of, dread of is a good mortality, word. Yeah. pretty much. Yes, mm. and 
I I personally think I prefer this type of horror. It's just there's something there that really it's it's sort of yeah, like you said, it's spooky, but it also it's also a little bit bit of it that it's kind of nice and kind of you know, it, it tickles a certain um I don't know, just this, this kind of feeling of of um you know of of facing mm. facing the unknown pretty much that is sort of scary but also kind of fascinating at the same time um and and i i i think i really like that kind of horror it's it's delicious yeah, <laughs> in the kind it of horror sticks that it is with you that's the thing mm. it sticks with you um you know jump scares and a chainsaw wielding zombie bear it doesn't ex- <laughs> i mean that sounds sounds very um worth remembering to be honest but uh, <laughs> but it doesn't stick with you in the same way that this thing does because i mean just i mean imagine you don't have i mean they had roads but like where is this place even it's out in the middle of nowhere you're mm. homeless you need this job. <laughs> you have death on a... There's just so much thing that makes you... That makes it feel like you're on your own. And there are things going on in this environment that you don't have any control of. Like, there is something else in this atmosphere that is just seeping through all of it. Uh, I made it sound... Ra- rather simple before but if if you know what i mean like it's there's a cloud <laughs> there's a cloud <laughs> hanging over this environment and that is uh maybe that's what it felt like living in the 30s <laughs> in germany <laughs> but um okay then. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from nazis to replace an actor to improve the movie <laughs> Uh, listener, if you haven't noticed this before, I also have a very good sense of, of tact and and uh, a sense of um, you know sensitivity to matters that are very difficult to talk about. Um, anyways, replace an actor to improve the movie. So the premise is: you're in a time machine, and you can bring any actor to from one era to replace one actor in this movie. Who would you bring? That's a hard one. Yeah. They were they were really good the ones that were in this, but hmm, I would maybe instead of the guy who played Death, even though he was good, I would maybe pick someone like I don't know Christopher Lee, maybe you oh. know someone with a with a more uh, sort of a, a voice that stands out more because Christopher Lee has a very you know deep voice mm. and it's sort of mm. he he has played in a lot of horror movies because of that because he has he he has a voice that sort of lends itself well to to being the sort of seductive slash scary bad guy in a mm. film um and i think that that sort of voice could have lent another dimension to death in, in this film um not not that death was poorly characterized in this film but i think um with um, a, a, an actor with like Christopher Lee with such a unique voice, it, it just it would have added something a little bit extra to it. I think. Absolutely, no. I see where you're getting at, and um, I think maybe something in <laughs> the performance of Death um, left us, um, you know, 
left us wanting maybe mm. uh, because I also want to replace him and uh, whereas I think Christopher Lee is a very good suggestion he would absolutely kill it as death um, I would propose uh, Rut- I'm gonna butcher it Rut- Rutger Hauer ah yeah because see. yes because I, I, I as I was watching death he the actual play death sort of reminded me of Rutger Hauer and I just uh-huh. thought you know he might be a very good death actually in a role like this. So yeah, yeah so I want to replace him, you know, with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he now might... you now you have me thinking about Lady Hawk all of a sudden. Okay. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen Lady Hawk, but uh... <laughs> God damn it, it slipped away from me on an internet auction, and I haven't oh. <laughs> gotten around to buying it yet. Um, but yeah, yeah. So um, death is being replaced by both of us. Then, um, yeah. interesting. <laughs> Roger Howard is, is a really good suggestion. You know, he has he he has the ability to to have a really like intense look. Exactly. You know, something about his eyes that just mm, yes, yes, like mm. intense and soft at the same time, which mm-hmm. I feel like could be a good. Um, like a good trait or whatever like for death like mm. something who will kill yes. you with silken gloves almost it's uh, yeah <laughs> uh, but so from from that then to um, uh, something else uh, and that is Bang Bon Blast our uh, favorite <laughs> because it always derails if it hasn't derailed by now it sure will. <laughs> it should be the sub subtext to that one. Uh, but Bang Bang Blast is our version of Fuck Mary Kill in the same order. And the selection that you have, Linnea, is Man, Fiddler, and Maria. And here I should explain who Fiddler is because I don't think we've talked about him or even mentioned him, maybe. No, no. Um, do you feel like talking about a little bit about Fiddler? Um, I mean, there isn't a whole lot, but a <laughs> drunk fiddler person who likes to. Yeah, um, he he is actually one of the first characters introduced yeah. in the film because he is the first one that the the, the original ferryman ferries across the river, and he's the one that gives the last tuppence, as mentioned before. Ah, yes, uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, and he, after the first ferryman dies, he sort of gets stuck in this village. And there's this whole thread throughout the film of him trying to get yes. back and always <laughs> failing. <laughs> Never quite managing to do it. Um, but he's uh, a drunkard and um, he plays at this summer dance festival that they have. And he's kind of the comic relief of the film. Yeah. Um, Pretty much, and it they, works. They, I laughed yeah, at really, the end. Yeah, really, really the he... only character that seems to be any kind of happy in yeah. the film. <laughs> Drunk, poor, and happy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. also coming on to Maria at one point. Honestly, yeah, this yeah. woman can't get a break from from drunk men. <laughs> So yeah, man, fiddler, Maria. I am dying to know what you choose between these. Well, obviously Maria is getting bonded because there's really no other alternative here. Um. (laughs) There really isn't, so yeah. No, no. Bonding bonding Maria. Um, But then it it is a little bit more difficult. Um, Man slash soldier boy, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> nameless guy, um, 
he looks good, but he's sort of he, he's he's a little bit bland, honestly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what what is his character? He's sick most of PTSD the time. PTSD is his character. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind Sadly of. Sadly enough, um, yeah. And the no, fiddler he's sweet too. No, he's sweet. He cares about Maria and. He does treat her better than the other men in the film. <laughs> yeah, he it, it didn't come on to Maria, let's say. So that was nice no, of him. No, he was very respectful. Yeah. Our standards are so low. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fiddler, as established, is drunk, uh, <laughs> alcoholic. Um, does come on to Maria a little bit inappropriately at uh, at one point, um, but also as established, he's like the only one that's kind of happy. Yeah. <laughs> so the other play. ones are really depressing, and he's kind of not. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, the fiddler. I wouldn't mind listening to his music he was i i liked his song i like his his fiddling um <laughs> but i i but what actually... you're saying is that he can go fiddle with himself alone <laughs> essentially essentially yes um out of the men in this film um soldier boy is the one that we see treat women the best, including Maria. I love Maria. that you're so, calling uh, him soldier boy. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess I'll bang him and then Fiddler will get blasted. Even though it's it's sort of potato potato between them, really. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if he, if he wasn't so like flirting and inviting himself into Maria's house... <laughs> so blatantly which he was at one point uh, i kind of felt like it would have been 50 50 between soldier and fiddler uh, but i will make a tip over to soldiers um you know advantage so i'll do the exact same thing as you do because i do feel like you've made some really good points and i can't <laughs> see it going any other way <laughs> so agreed <laughs> wise choices all around <laughs> so uh, from uh, banging to favorite film quote, uh, our newest addition to these um, uh, quest, quest to our questionnaire, let's say. So that is uh, if you have chosen any favorite film quote from the movie, and it can be a word, a phrase, or a whole speech that stuck with you. Uh, the good, the bad, and the unintentionally entertaining. What have you got <laughs> for me, Linnea, this time? Well, it's. Uh, I, I didn't mention the exact quote earlier, but I did mention the scene. And it is in the beginning with the first ferryman um, when he says that, you know, after 15 years of saving, I can now buy this ferry. Um, and the fiddler who is there at that point uh, sort of asks, well, what's the point then? You know, it's still going to be the same toil of mm. going <laughs> back and forth over over Fair this enough, river yeah. <laughs> uh, to which the first ferryman answers uh, well from now on I'll toil for myself and that's worth a lot and I just Aww. thought first of all that was really <laughs> really nice message yeah. you know, you know it, 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 that is his goal to mm. you know be his, his own man essentially and just you know earning money for himself and doing this job for himself. Mm. Um, and I also thought that that was a really nice bit of character 
um, well, character development is perhaps the wrong word. Characterization, mm. you know, character mm. establishment of who he is. You know, what's his mm. goal in life? Why is he doing what he's doing? You know, that's the sort of thing that you put on, like, if you're rolling up a role-playing game character. That's the sort of thing that you put on there that, oh, you know, uh... I'm doing this because I want to uh, achieve this. You know, it's really... It was just... It was just good. It, it it established his character so well. And of course, I mean, we don't see much of him later, but um, I, I just like the scene for... for what it said about him and also because it was so tragic when he died afterwards and I was just oh you know he didn't get this fairy yeah. so sad <laughs> yeah that's um I mean you put you put the, the nail on on the head the nail on the coffin no the- <laughs> uh, I mean you you you're describing it perfectly because um like you say it's such a simple uh, sentence that does so much for his character and also mm. really hammers home the tragedy when he later like he's got all the money he he will fulfill his goal soon because he will be able to buy the ferry and this last goddamn passenger fucks him up honestly mm. so uh, it's a brilliant uh, script writing from you know in the opinion of someone who ab- knows absolutely nothing about script writing <laughs> And has bad taste in general, everything. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, you know, thank you for um, reminding me and also in- inviting the listener to to that quote. Um, because it shows also the care that I feel it's, has been taken with a lot of this movie. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you did set the stage here for our next <laughs> installment which is uh, argue why this should win a gordon and a gordon is of course our version of the oscars and equally as important more so the most important <laughs> i can't even think of any other award more important no no none at all <laughs> nobel peace prize forget about it <laughs> this <laughs> This is the award that you want to get. <laughs> so what do you want to give it out to? If you if you have a suggestion, that is, yeah. I would honestly, to, to sort of come full circle here and go back to something that we discussed at the mm. beginning, I want to give a Gordon to the ending for mm. being specifically sort of up in the air of, of what has actually happened, you know. They are walking into a field of flower and they appear happy. Mm. But are they dead or are they not? Exactly. <laughs> that sort of ambiguity mm. is, is mm, yes, I love it. It's delicious. Um, and it's sort of, there's almost a little bittersweet ending almost mm. that you sort of oh well you know this looks happy but it might actually not be and I, I live for those kinds of endings I love them so you know and I also think that leaving it so ambiguous um, does mean that the movie in some way will stick with you more I think because you will sort of be thinking about this you know how did it really end you know uh, and, and sort of questioning that for a while afterwards and I I really like that so yeah that's that's getting a Gordon for me yeah um, I agree with you it was a really interesting interesting ending a very open-ended ambiguous ending mm. and, and it does make you uh, I mean it does 
you know rustle around in your brain for a little bit and i think that's really nice uh, and and uh, it's good to be challenged in that way i think uh with not feeling completely ah it's done the end whatever you know mm. it's nice when it stays with you uh so a good gordon indeed and as always it did get the gordon so that's great uh for <laughs> Ferrum and maria and but I also I haven't quite figured out how I want to phrase this, but I feel like uh, Sybil Schmitz was that the name? Yes, Schmitz. Yes. I feel like she should get some sort of Gordon. So I'm giving her a Gordon for best female performance uh, with the fewest amount of of, of uh, spoken lines <laughs> in the 30s. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird category. But you never know with the Gordon Awards. It's every year. It's 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 different. You know, uh, you mm. never know what to expect. I mean, the dresses are always different on the actresses and, and also the awards are uh, who knows the categories really weird. Uh, but that's why we love Gordon. So, um, yeah, giving it to Sibyl because I thought she was awesome. She was. Oh my god, I've got a mosquito or something else in here flying around. I also knocked my knee earlier. I really kept the pain inside me, but uh, <laughs> I knocked it kind of bad, actually. <laughs> but I, oh dear. Oh dear. But I was like, I'm not going to ruin Linnea's. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Double feature. Uh, recommend something. A candy. A movie. <laughs> Whatever you feel like could go with with this with this movie. I'm sorry. I'm being very silly right now. Uh, do you have anything that you would like to recommend uh, the listener to? Um, well, I would actually like to recommend another. 30s film that is called cool. uh, Vampyr um, not oh. Vampire it's called Vampyr I think it's like a German French co-production possibly uh, from 1932 if I remember correctly um, produced by or directed by Carl Theodore Dreyer who is most famous for doing The Passion of Joan of Arc um, oh cool it is uh, it is a very early um, talky, you know, we we live at this point. We're leaving the silent era behind, and we going into um, sound films. But it is like Ferman Maria Vampire is very quiet, like it's very sparse on the dialogue. Um, and while they have different subject matters, um, I confess I only have vague memories of Vampire, uh, but they are sort of dead. They're both horror films to some extent, but they're slightly different horror films. But they have the same kind of atmosphere, the same kind of mood, this sort of hypnotic, mesmerizing, sort of otherworldly feel to them that I think would go very well together. Mm. Um, and I do also believe that Sybil Schmitz was in Vampire. I don't think she was the highest credited or the starring role but she i believe she was in it so um do check that one out oh interesting interesting suggestion um i thought i heard about it but i googled it and i can't say that the image um you know um woke something rings in my bell yes no. thank you rings no. a bell I, I, I and it didn't so um interesting um interesting suggestion 
Personally, I'm just going to suggest uh, suggest the, the the Seventh Seal by Ingmar Bergman. I did mention it earlier because um, there is a sort of cat and mouse and and um, dealings with the, with um, death here going on in uh, in in both of the movies. So I think that they together could be interesting, and they both have quiet moments and and things that overlap in that sense. But they are. Uh, they differ quite a lot as well, let's say. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think they could go together uh, well. And uh, you'll be thoroughly depressed by the end of that evening. So good luck <laughs> yes, <laughs> with <yes>. that. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do. I, that's a really good suggestion. I mean, the character of death in Seventh Seal is really famous. But mm. now we're sort of seeing, <laughs> we're seeing his origin here in these older films that possibly inspired Ima Berman yeah, to, to make his version exactly, of that. Exactly. Um, and I will also say, I didn't really mention this earlier, um, but as we mentioned, Ferryman Maria is, is kind of a little bit expressionist. Um, but the thing is that expressionist art deals a lot, of, a lot with buildings. And there are a lot of buildings mm. in, in Ferryman Maria. There's a lot of nature. And that sort of to me anyway, it brings to mind more sort of Scandinavian films because we tend to like our nature a lot. Um, so, so you know, this cinema... In, in terms of cinematography, just, there's maybe a little bit of a red line there between Fairman Maria and, and Seven Seal and, and Scandinavian films. So, you know, mm, yeah, that's, that's worth checking out. Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, to conclude, I mean, I don't, don't think we have... Uh, much more to say about uh well oh no i'm forgetting myself uh we usually say like well do you think this should be remade and i did allude way earlier in this episode uh to the fact that i i feel like this could and should maybe be uh remade uh, it already has by the same director <laughs> um but i think that uh, i'm think i haven't seen this yet but there is a movie called Gretel and Hansel that I think was released maybe last year uh, and mm. it it looks cool it looks very it's very neony uh, and and has a lot of funky scenery and and cinema cinematography going on and I feel like if someone took this basic story with a ferryman a woman ferryman and, and the death and uh, the sort of sort of the bones of this story and fleshed it out and made it to their own um, with this fairy tale you could have a really interesting cool looking movie I think um, I would definitely be down to watch that if it was in the hands of someone who, who really wants to take it in the fairy tale and weird weird sense also someone like also again a movie i haven't seen here <laughs> but uh the the witch that was released a few years ago mm. also very very spooky but way more down to earth than the gretel and hans the movie that i was talking about but somewhere in between you know something like those kind of act um directors with this material this very dark material i think it could be really cool so i'd say uh yes to a remake of fairman maria what are Sweet. your um, <laughs> thoughts on <laughs> remakes? 
Um, well, I don't have any <laughs> any movie uh, movie titles to to mention here as you did, but um, I will say that yeah, yeah, you can totally remake this because as we we have established, it's like a fairy tale, and and mm. fairy tales are kind of timeless, and you can you can put them pretty much in whenever wherever you want, and and make them a reflection of your time mm. because you know fairy memoria. We we sort of touched upon that you know maybe that is kind of a reflection of the Germany at the time. Stay on the line, um, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can you can very much take the story and the themes and sort of put it in your time and have have it be a reflection of what's happening in your time and has it be equally as good as the original. So yeah, yeah, totally remake it. Wow. A sounding yes from from the team of Star Crashed podcast here. Listen, contemporary makers, to the shouts of us. Uh, yeah, Ferma Maria, um, interesting movie to watch. More, even more interesting to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, so, listener, have you seen Ferryman Maria? Uh, we want to know what you think, so go to our Facebook page at StarQuest Podcast, uh, where you can share your thoughts and also give us recommendations for future episodes. We also have an Instagram account, if that's more your jam. And now we are also available on Spotify. So, yeah. Oh if, my god, <laughs> I haven't even mentioned it! Yes! And the weird thing is, because this will be so... Well, like, when we when we put this out on on spotify and on SoundCloud and everything you know when we put this episode up it would be so late but it will have been like weeks since we ended up on spotify so yeah yeah <laughs> but that it's awesome it's a milestone uh, i can't believe uh we haven't we didn't you know begin this episode with this thing because <laughs> spotify ah to me it's super awesome Oh it's, yes, absolutely. it's yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. And and you have my friends to thank for that because they kept asking me, "Is it available <laughs> on Spotify?" And I was just like, "Damn it, I need to make it available on Spotify." So I did. So now you will will terrorize them them with like, "So have you listened to the latest episode?" Then now that it's yeah, available yeah. on Spotify, and they exactly. will be like, "Oh my god, I don't so, have yeah. a phone anymore. What can we do now?" <laughs> Uh, just look for StarQuest Podcast on Spotify uh, if you prefer listening to us there uh, instead of some other platform. You spoiled it. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're welcome, Linnea's uh, friends, by the way. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Very welcome. Uh, <laughs> and uh, join us in two weeks as we sit down and talk about uh, a Sweden-American co-production uh, from 1959 that is in Swedish called Rimdimension i Lapland, or in English, Terror in the Midnight Sun. Bye-bye. Wow. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>